0: Greg Johnson, welcome to CounterCurrents Radio. CounterCurrents Radio is brought to you by you, by our listeners, or I should say a very small select percentage of our listeners who support us through donations. If you would like to do that, you are invited to go to entropystream.live forward slash countercurrents and hit the green button and leave a question and a comment or just a donation, uh, we would very much appreciate it. CounterCurrents, because we have upset merchants around the world, globally, internationally, we have been deplatformed from the credit card industry globally. And the only way that you can use your credit cards to send money to CounterCurrents is through one site on the web, entropystream.live forward slash countercurrents. They're fine people, they believe in freedom, And they will convey your donation as well as your questions and comments to us. And we will definitely deal with them in the course of the show. So thank you very much. Also, if you have DLive tokens, uh, send your lemons, ice cream, ninjets, ninjaginis, whatever, our way. And if you have a question or comment, we will also thank you, of course, and we will entertain them in the course of the stream. My first guest today is Guillaume de Rocher. Guillaume is a writer. He has written an an immense number of very high-quality essays. He's written many things for CounterCurrents. He's written for the UNS Review. He's written for American Renaissance, The Occidental Observer, The Occidental Quarterly. And he has a book out now. And the book is called uh, the ancient ethnostate. And it's a collection of essays that he's written over the years about classical thought and how uh, really, <laughs> how, how to put it, how simpatico the ancients were uh, towards racial nationalists today. So Guillaume, well, you've, it's been a while, but welcome back. Hello. It's great to be here. Uh, we are going to talk today about the Zamur question, Eric Zemmour. He has announced that he's running for the president of France, and you've actually written a couple of very good things on Zamor, including an extensive review at countercurrents of his book, The Suicide of France. And I just want to have your take on uh, the Zemmour phenomenon, the Zemmour question. So can you just tell us briefly uh, who he is, what's his background Uh, what's his career and what are his qualifications for becoming president of France? So Eric Zemmour
1: is currently taking the French political scene by storm as a presidential candidate. He has no party. He and yet is doing very well in the polls and is currently the second or third most popular candidate after Emmanuel Macron, and sometimes he beats out Marine Le Pen. He's a very interesting figure, uh, a very polarizing figure for the mainstream, but also within certain nationalist circles. Uh, The mainstream, because he is a right-wing candidate, it's as simple as that, and among right-wing circles because I would say most French patriots are quite positive about the Zemmour phenomenon. There are people who consider him, um, I wouldn't say controlled opposition, but uh, they, maybe they don't like the fact that he's Jewish, or uh, they consider that he's been having a too easy a time uh, in the media. Um, he is a descendant of North African Jews, Uh, So these were Jews who were living in French Algeria, and his parents left Algeria during the war for independence there in 1958. And he was born in France and raised in Saint-Saint-Denis, which is a poor suburb northeast of Paris, which became Afro-Islamized during Zemmour's lifetime. And so most of the Jews left Algeria during the Arab-Muslim revolution there in between 1958 and 1962 and then he saw his own birthplace, which is really the cradle of French kings, I mean it's where all the French kings are buried, um, is now an Afro-Islamic uh, departement or county. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he has reasons to be, uh, personal reasons to be against African and Islamic immigration. Uh, he understands ethnic conflicts.
0: Well, actually, let me just ask you this. So he was born uh, in France. Uh, he's a citizen of France, uh, grew up speaking French. Uh, is he religious at all? So this is a bit of a uh, uncertain question. Uh,
1: the report is that he continued going to synagogue until his father died a few years ago. And then he maybe stopped going to synagogue. Um, he, from what I can see, I think he's in a conservative Jewish milieu, uh, and this may give him some autonomy in, uh, French media political circles, which tend to be very left-wing. Um, and we could say more about his, uh, Jewishness insofar as he does have a certain tendency in his writings to project, uh, a kind of Jewish identity on France, uh, in a kind of, he would say some Jewish qualities or Israeli qualities are French qualities. So sometimes he writes things like this in in a fairly unconvincing way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, but he also is um let's say quite cognizant of France's uh, historic Christian identity, and he often speaks positively about that identity uh, and he's not someone who pushes for uh, wars in the Middle East, wars against Islamism, wars for Israel. Uh, he's not anti-Israel by any means, uh, but I think he is not a classic neocon who whose main interest in politics is enlisting, you know, the foreign policy of his host nation uh, for for their land of first allegiance. I don't know much about his education. Uh, I can speak a bit about his career, where he has uh, basically always been in the media. Uh, especially in uh, the Figaro newspaper, where he was a journalist and then became a pundit and really took off in the early 2000s, mid-early 2000s, when he started appearing on television shows. And he was always the token right-winger, but he was uh, very good at it. He was very good at grilling uh, guests. He was very good at at giving the right-wing a viewpoint on various topics, and he was surprisingly edgy. Really, kind of from the beginning, he was always denouncing anti-racism. This is not new. He, he, it's been at least a decade that he, two decades that he's denounced anti-racism, uh, denounced feminism and the feminization of society, and he has been able to thrive. You know, he's been able to always exist uh, and build up an audience. Uh, pushing the envelope. He's thrived by pushing the envelope. He's often lost his job. So he's often been kicked off of certain TV shows or kicked off of uh, you know, morning radio. And, uh, but he's always had enough of a base to bounce back.
0: Yeah, that, that is very interesting. Uh, let's talk about some of his policy views uh, then. Uh, what are his views on Muslims and Blacks? So this is really the uh, the core, the core
1: of his uh, candidacy because um, he recently uh, announced his candidacy because he had a sort of crypto campaign before that and he had this quite high production value video of him speaking in a very presidential looking library at his desk with a microphone with kind of uh, Gaulian uh, overtones and... The focus very much was on, and he spoke, it was quite moving on the dispossession that the French feel, how they go through their cities, they go to the post office, they go to the, even to to the police station, and they don't recognize the people that they see. The streets are no longer theirs. The people are no longer French. And this was spliced with images of African and Islamic crime and attacks on firefighters, attacks on police officers. The annual burning of cars, which is a a new custom on French soil. And um, that is really the core. And he has denounced the great replacement. He says in the video, we will not be replaced. Um, And for many years, he's talked about uh, black and African black and uh, Arab crime, uh, saying that they are the majority of drug dealers. And that's why they get profiled by police. Uh, he said this uh, many years ago uh, I believe he got uh, condemned for uh, racial hatred uh, because of this in court uh, but nonetheless he stuck by it so stopping the great replacement really is the the core of uh, of his candidacy it's it's the main plank um, I would tie this however with uh, some ambiguous positions and he expressed these recently in a uh, television interview on the private station tf1 which really is the leading uh, tv station uh which is privately owned and uh the interviewer was uh somewhat friendly i mean not not overwhelmingly hostile i mean he had questions but it wasn't like a completely hostile interview like the ones that uh, jean-marie le pen used to get uh but in any event eric zemmour said uh, two things of interest one he said that josephine baker so she was this uh mixed-race black American who moved to France and became a cabaret dancer and a, uh, you know, uh, opponent of Hitler and this sort of thing. Uh, he, she, he said she's perfectly French. Uh, she is France, uh, which is a very dubious uh, statement. Um, and uh, he defends assimilation on that level. He says, you know, foreigners should take French first names. Muslims should take French first names. So this is the part where he says we should do assimilation. Um, which is unrealistic and arguably undesirable at this stage. And then he also says that Muslims... He makes the distinction between Islam and Muslims. And he says Islam is something which cannot be negotiated with. It's a a law which denies freedom and, and just tries to conquer whatever lands it has available. Uh, but he's not against Muslims. Uh, and I, this makes no sense because... What he's saying is uh, Muslims should not be part of Islam, Um, which you could say that of Jews, you know, you could say Jews should reject Judaism because Jewishness has a ethnic component. So there are atheist Jews. These do exist. But you can't be an atheist Muslim any more than you can be uh, an atheist Christian. Uh, So these, I think, suggest two ambiguities in his rhetoric. So on the one hand, very strong position against the Great Replacement. On the other hand, this kind of very strong anti-Islam assimilationist assimilationist line.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting. On on the one hand, he has to believe in in, in assimilation because he's really an example, I guess, of an assimilated outsider. He says he's a a Frenchman uh, not by roots, but by branch, I think is the phrase, which is kind of interesting. his family has been grafted on the tree of France. That's sort of what he's saying. And he, I think on some level recognizes that he's an outsider because of his origins, but he's also, uh, presents himself as somebody who is a grateful outsider, uh, who is a fan of France and wants France to remain French.
1: So uh, I I think that's uh, very well said. And, um, Indeed, if he possible. rejected if he rejected assimilation completely, he would be denying his own position. Um, and there is an interesting line in his uh, in his book, at his most recent book, which uh, he published uh, basically on the campaign trail. And um, he is very grateful for France. He really honors France. He really sees. I mean, you know, North African Jews weren't anything really, and. Uh, they were given citizenship when the French were still in Algeria uh, by, a Ju- by a Jewish minister, by the way, during the Franco, the chaos of the Franco-Prussian War, which is a bit uh, sketchy. But uh, he, he sees the benefits and he wants that story to continue. And, he, and his video was very moving on the achievements of the French and the, the many, many great French men and women that have existed throughout the ages. Uh, but he has an interesting line in his book where he basically says, Civic nationalism is hard. It's hard because you have to control, I think he calls it a reptilian impulse. And he criticizes uh, French Jews and certain French Jewish intellectuals like Raymond Daron, who during the Six Day War of 1967, suddenly expressed their Jewishness through solidarity and loyalty to the Jewish state during that crisis. And he was critical, and Zemmour is critical to be loyal to, indeed, a nation that is not your ethnic, uh, it, it takes a conscious effort to some extent. And so it, he he was conceding a big weakness in his assimilationist ideology, and also a a very important fact of life for multi-ethnic nations, because you can have, in fact, it's, it's very common to have a multi-ethnic nation, and it's common for... You know, you try to make the minorities also loyal to the state, but it's fragile. you know it's it's right. It's not something which goes with the grain of human nature.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the The rhetoric about assimilation, I think, is uh, it's so seductive to people on the right. Uh, and even if he doesn't ultimately believe that uh, you can assimilate Africans and Muslims, especially Muslims who remain Muslim, I think you still have to, or maybe he feels like he needs to make some kind of gesture in that direction. Uh, It's sort of a counterfactual claim. Uh, Of course, it's possible to assimilate people if they're very similar to begin with, and in small numbers, that's not mentioned, of course. Uh, You can't really assimilate people who are radically different than you. Uh, You can't really assimilate vast numbers of people. But beyond that, they're not even trying to assimilate because multiculturalism is a rejection of assimilationism. Uh, Beyond that, these people coming in uh, are making no efforts to assimilate. They're creating ethnic ghettos. And a lot of them have very uh, openly expressed imperialistic, colonialistic tendencies they want to assimilate France, not be assimilated by France. And so uh, you can can sort of hold out assimilation as a possibility, and it is a possibility, again, if they're not that different and in small numbers. Uh, And it's sort of built into the idea of France, and it's sort of built into the the very person of Eric Zemmour. Uh, But the fact remains is that no one's trying to assimilate these people anymore. Assimilation has been rejected, and if you demanded assimilation, a lot of these people would not come, and a lot of them would pick up and leave, probably. And so, demanding assimilation, knowing that it can't happen, in in, in his heart of hearts, he knows it can't really happen with these people. It's you know, it, it's it's sort of a a gesture of good faith uh, that he knows will be spurned, and it's he he knows that the French, who on some level, especially French normies, believe it's possible too, uh, will feel spurned. They'll feel spurned in their good faith efforts to take these people in. And when white people feel like they're being taken advantage of, when they feel like they're dealing with cheats, they get mad. And so it it's not a bad form of political agitation uh, to Keep it on the table as a good faith gesture, but then to uh, relentlessly point out that they're not trying, they're trying the exact opposite. Uh, and therefore we we can't do business with them, right? they're They're cheats. They're cheating us. They're taking advantage of our openness or the French's openness to these outsiders.
1: Yeah it seems to be a tactical position to some sense and it may be indeed that he wants to make it so difficult for them to adhere to their culture here that they'll they'd rather go home. Uh I'm open also open to the another view that we need to start organizing the parallel society. Um depends how optimistic people are about remigration. Um I'm coming to the conclusion that remigration is uh, is very difficult. Um, but in any case, this is, this is his position and, uh, in any case, the immigration would go down. Um, I think it would be a a big step in the right direction.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Anything, anything that, um, acknowledges that there are real barriers to these people actually becoming part of France. Uh, I mean, again, uh, my, my standard response to, conservatives who want to evade the issue of immigration by saying, well, we just need to assimilate, is that A, we're not trying to assimilate them. So if we're not trying to assimilate them, do you, do you agree with me that we should have a moratorium on immigration until we can uh, collect the political will to demand assimilation? Uh, of course they 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 shuffle uncomfortably when you try that line on them uh beyond that um we're not trying they don't want to assimilate and they're assimilating us i mean they're they're openly agitating uh, many of these org- these uh, communities to assimilate us and subjugate us and and at that point it just becomes sort of a dead letter
1: oh it is and it is remarkable because france did have a rather different position from the U S from the Anglo American countries in general were sort of multicultural in their, in their reflexes, you know, just live and let live, let every community do what they want. In Germany, they were adhering to a kind of, uh, you sanguist. So an idea of, uh, citizenship only by descent. And therefore the Turks that came over were not really being assimilated, but weren't really, Weren't being given citizenship either, but we're, we're still being let, allowed to come. France, however, was in principle trying to assimilate the Arabs, assimilate the blacks, assimilate people that came in. But that model, A, has not led to substantially different outcomes to the to the other nations. So it shows that trying to assimilate is not really going to assi- succeed. And that model anyway is collapsing because when the immigrants were in smaller numbers, they felt a need to some extent to, at least on the surface, try to conform to the French culture. But as time has gone on, as the second generation has been raised and second and third generation have been raised, uh, th- this is no longer the case. And they're very happy to stay in their neighborhoods, organize them as Islamic neighborhoods, and to call for, um, you know, sort of. Inner decolonization, you know, so called, which basically means this kind of third worldist rhetoric within France of saying within France, blacks and Arabs should behave the way they want without any regard for French sensibilities and French law, like on the Islamic headscarf, uh, like on the teaching of history of colonialism. And there is an importation of I don't know if it's only an importation. It's also probably a parallel development of what we see in the U S of just, just extremely aggressive racial politics in the form of black lives matter and, uh, the new woke, uh, movement. And, uh, this is what the young minorities are going for. And so the assimilate, the French assimilationist model has collapsed.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Let's talk about his views on Jews. Uh, he is Jewish. Uh, he's a Sephardic Jew. Uh, he, in his book, The Suicide of France, devotes an enormous amount of pages to uh, excoriating uh, the, the role of the organized Jewish community in cultural degeneration and political chaos and importing problems into France. It's It's actually quite... Brave and quite remarkable uh, how much he's willing to take on uh, his co-ethnics uh, on the left. Uh, i I admire that. Um, is is he I, I'd like to talk a bit about that. I'd like to also talk about his views on Israel. is Is he a Zionist? I think he is probably a Zionist.
1: Uh, I think he uh, very much respects Israel as a nation state. Um, It is not a political plank of his, so he he won't say uh, France needs to be pro-Israel or anything like that. Um, He is not pro-Palestinian. He'll say, for example, you know, uh, Bernard-Henri Lévy is a uh, traitor to France, and he is anti-nationalist and cosmopolitan in France. But if he goes to Kurdistan, if he goes to Israel, there he is. Ultra-nationalist, and Moore says, "I want that for France." Um, and uh, so, I, I, he doesn't seems to me have very articulated uh, positions on Israel, and maybe that's quite fine. Actually, maybe it's it's uh, it's kind of a neutral question, but he has strong positions on issues which the organized Jewish community ha- is uh, considers non-negotiable. So. In, his, uh, in the Suicide Francais, he talks about um, the Holocaust as a civil religion for France and the wider Western world. And he talks about the CRIF, so this is the Council of Jewish Institutions of France, basically the, the, the official Jewish lobby. He talks of it as a state within the state, which is influencing politics in a narrow, sectarian, ethnocentric direction, not in the interests of... Uh, france as a whole and in his most recent book he doubles down on these two things and he doesn't go into a whole lot of detail but uh but he does talk about it so he's uh some consider him a renegade to that extent and uh, the chief rabbi of france has condemned him of all things as an anti-semite um so make of that make of that what you will
0: that's fascinating. Uh, do you think that his views could have something to do with the fact uh, that he's a Sephardic Jew as opposed to an Ashkenazi Jew? I understand that the Ashkenazi Jews have rather racist and uh, patronizing attitudes towards Sephardic Jews, certainly in Israel. Uh, I don't know if that's true in France. Is that true in France as well? That's a very good question.
1: So I don't know. Um, that would be an interesting biographical uh investigation to undertake. Uh, I can say that the it seems to me that uh, this this is a, generalati- a generalization to some extent but I feel that Ashkenazi Jews tend to be more obsessed with the Holocaust uh, to some extent understandably because they were the primary uh, Jewish population that died uh, during World War II. Eric uh, Zemmour you know He's always making these edgy points that he really doesn't need to make, but he, because he's built his career by making them, he, he continues. Uh, so, for example, he points out that Vichy, France, Marshal Pétain, protected French Jews. So if you were a foreign Jew on French soil, and there were many, uh, they would let the Gestapo pick them up and send them off to uh, Germany, and then it wasn't their problem, right? Uh, But for French Jews, they said, look, they're French citizens. It's you don't have jurisdiction over them. And so to the extent that French Jews were deported, uh, this was in spite of the efforts of the Vichy authorities. And so his family was in North Africa, uh, so they would have been affected even less by it. Uh, There was some anti-Jewish legislation, which presumably they would have been uh, they, they would have been affected by. But uh, it, it could, that could be part of it, that Sephardics uh, just don't see the Holocaust as the, uh, the be-all, end-all.
0: Yeah, I wonder if Zamor is conscious of the fact that he would be, as a Sephardic Jew, almost a second-class citizen in the state of Israel, whereas in, in the French Republic, he's really a first-class citizen and, and an amazingly successful citizen. And he might end up being the first citizen of the republic uh, <laughs> in a few months. But it's honest, kind of honestly, it, it's possible. It's, it, that's yeah. that's
1: what's funny is that uh, I never thought that um, Marine Le Pen had was really electable. You know, I thought Brexit could occur. I thought Trump could be elected. I thought it was possible, and I think it's also possible for Zemmour. Which doesn't mean that it will happen, but I think there's a There is a solid chance at the end of the day.
0: So let's talk about some of his uh, political opinions. Uh, What are his views on economic globalization? So
1: I think the most, uh, the fairest generalization we could say that translates him more into an American kind of uh, context is to describe him as a paleoconservative. So He would want uh, French jobs, French industry to remain there. He is generally uh, critical of free trade. Uh, But in a way, he doesn't pin himself down on these issues too much. Um, Maybe he senses uh, it it, it can be hard to deliver on those, in fact. Um, So what he mainly talks about is getting rid of welfare for foreigners, So that all aid to foreigners, where foreigners are not paying into the system, uh, should be abolished. Um, And so he thinks uh, significant savings can be made in that area in that way. Uh, Otherwise, he's fairly broad. Uh, So on the economics, you know, uh, he's not advocating socialism. Uh, You know, he's not uh, pushing hard left wing economics. He's not pushing for a withdrawal from the euro so in that respect, he's fairly pragmatic. Um, more generally, I think we can say that he's simply pro-French. So this is really his outlook, is that he is pro-France. Uh, and he's secondarily pro-white. And I use that advisedly because he does talk about whites. He does talk about the white man being constantly attacked. He does talk about, on some level, um. The legitimacy of white people, that it's not something that uh, that is uh, evil or something like that. Like he, he explicitly uses the word and, and defends white people.
0: Um, he also, he, I believe, yeah. on a talk show with a uh, with some African or black commentator uh, basically said, uh, you are of the black race. I am of the white race. <laughs> so, I mean, he was identifying himself as a white person. Uh, He thinks it's okay to be white. Uh, He doesn't like anti-whiteness. He doesn't like the anti-white, white, white, woke uh, culture and uh, ideology. Uh, I I think that's quite encouraging. And he's openly talked about the Great Replacement. Oh, yes. It's happening and how he wants to stop it dead. We don't have any politicians in America who are quite that brave yet. And, and that's, I think, a significant fact. Uh, we have a couple of people running for Senate now, uh, Blake Masters and uh, J.D. Vance, who have come out and d- condemned critical race theory because it's simply anti-white, which is pretty good. Uh, but we, we have Tucker Carlson endorsing the idea and the, the reality of the Great Replacement to his millions of listeners. But... I think that Zemur is definitely ahead of, of anything that we've got in the United States and and that's quite remarkable.
1: Probably the best equivalent in terms of um, his uh, career and power base, the best equivalent is probably Tucker Carlson. Uh, Eric Zemmour recently had a he wasn't in charge of the talk show, but really he dominated it on a new TV station called C News, which is kind of like Francis Fox News. I would say it's less lowbrow than Fox. Um, almost all the stuff I see from C News is uh, is reasonable, um, and uh, this gets you know hundreds of thousands of views every time he's on the show. Uh, Now he doesn't appear so much because he's running for the presidency. So actually his TV time is uh, rationed. So he's not allowed to appear on CNews systematically, but uh, it's like Tucker. So it makes me curious about the future of U.S. politics because um, it seems to me that we have to get beyond Trumpism and Tucker Carlson seems like a very strong figure.
0: Oh, Tucker Carlson is infinitely more, articulate than Donald Trump for the, for, for the first point. Uh, yeah, I, I am very much opposed to the people who say, Oh, let's have Trump again in 2024. I just don't think we get anything new if Trump runs again. Uh, he would just suck up all the air and all the light, uh, from populism. It would be all about him for four more years. It would be Kushner and Ivanka uh, or, uh, uh, in, in the, in the baggage. Uh, and, uh, we, we just don't want that. Uh, we, we, would we'd not get anything new. Uh, if we had Tucker Carlson, that would be a significant step forward. Uh, I would like other people to emerge too, but I don't think that, uh, four more years of Trump would advance us at all. Uh, not metapolitically and not politically in all likelihood, Uh, We've seen uh, what a soft, uh, weak leader he was and doing, you know, repeating the same thing and expecting a different result is insanity. Uh, And, you know, a second Trump uh, presidency would be a nutty thing to do. Of course, it's his for the taking. That's the unfortunate thing. And I really hope that he, for some reason, doesn't take it. So uh, another uh, political
1: position that Zemmour has, which uh, I would be a bit more critical of, is uh, that he is uh, anti-EU. Many people are anti-EU, which is quite understandable. Uh, He wants to restore the sovereignty of French law in some sense while remaining a member of the EU and of the Eurozone. Um, So in terms of restoring French law... uh, it, this, this it's kind of like nullification in the u.s so it's so uh it, it basically voids your political union of uh, of content so to some extent i think this is a uh a backward looking position uh but i think he mainly makes these points in the con- in the context of immigration law so he doesn't want any courts saying oh you can't deport this uh, algerian criminal because he might uh you know face harsh justice back home. He thinks, you you know, the courts must not be able to interfere in a Mm -hmm. area of fundamental public interest in that way. Uh, But I can can hear some of the, the
0: criticism from there. Yeah. One of the things that Marine Le Pen, frankly, failed with is opposition to the EU. A lot of her followers or a lot of people who would otherwise consider following her aren't that opposed to the EU. Uh, they're not opposed to the euro. They have all kinds of last man reasons for liking the euro and liking the EU. It you know, makes it easier to go shopping in Belgium on a whim, right? That kind of stuff. But those motives are very, very powerful. And I, I just think that bucking, uh, going against the EU um, as, a, as a concept across the board is it, actually a waste of political capital. And we see that with Brexit, like Brexit is the proof that
1: this is basically a waste of time. You know, Britain is just as much on the road to total replacement and, you know, globalism in one country, thanks to Brexit. And uh, so I think we need to focus the political energies in the right direction. Um, Marine Le Pen, and there's such a palpable difference in energy between Zemmour and Le Pen even though Zemmour is like 63 years old you know he's an old guy you know he, he's he's energetic uh we could talk about how he's energetic in a bit more uh, in a bit but uh it was kind of now or never for him so I think this is why this is happening um but Marine Le Pen she built her career by toning down her message she built her career by getting house trained by the media. On a lot of issues, he, Zimor is so much more radical. When it you know, she, she's never going to say something about the Shoah, she's never going to talk about white people, she's never going to criticize the Kreef, and that's how she progressed by backing down. Whereas right. he he progressed by attacking. Now they're in different positions. He was a you know a Jew in the media and sort of dominated that way, whereas she is. The leader of a party, which, you know, is much more much more difficult to be a leader of a party, I have to say, um, trying to exist in the French sphere. But it's it. And the other big difference is that it seems to me, I mean, it depends how successful the demonization campaign is, you know, the toxification campaign, because big chunks of the media are just, and of academia are just radically attacking Eric right now. So we'll, we'll see how much that works on the French public, but it seems to me the big difference is that Eric Zemmour can get the center right electorate, which is last manish, uh, pensions, old folks who don't like immigration, um, and the more far right, more social electorate of Marine Le Pen. So the workers, younger people, often uh, you know twenty five to forty five year old people, people in the working. You know, raising families, uh, he may be
0: able to c- to combine those two electorates in a way which marine Leca- le Pen probably can't. That's interesting. I wanted to get to this question of electability. Uh, before we go into that more, though, uh, where does he differ in his policy views uh, with marine le Pen? Uh, I, I understand that Marine Le Pen recently said, well, uh, she she'd recently discovered that immigration, is good for the economy, uh, which I just face palmed over. I, I at at that point, uh, what good is uh, what good is she if she's if she's growing in in that way?
1: I didn't see that. That's interesting. Uh, I would I'd like to see the the, the context for that. Um, they don't have huge differences in terms of their stated policy positions. I think. Um, the, the biggest one is that he is putting much less emphasis on the French social system and on economic protectionism as a, a guarantee for the French economic way of life, you know. Um, Marine Le Pen, Front National really went into that direction. Uh, it's which not all she talks thing. about. Yeah, it, It's a good thing, but there's also an extent to which um, – the the French system is at the edge. I would say, I would say it cannot be more social, you know, it cannot. um, There's sometimes there can be some overprotection, there can be some quashing, you know, of entrepreneurial forces in the country. And more prosaically, there are, you know, the entrepreneurs and wealthy people leaving the country. You know, that that's, to some extent, that's the tipping point. I don't think France is in a catastrophic situation in that way. I'm not a, uh, a I'm not a moral critic, let's say, of of the French system. I'm I'm very pragmatic in my economics, uh, but I do think that if you sell people what you can't deliver, you're going to be disappointing, and you're going to lose political capital that way. And you can't restore uh, the old economic models. Uh, you know, of of industry and lifetime jobs and this sort of thing. You can't restore that, I think, even if you had uh, protectionist policies.
0: Well, why not?
1: I think that there are uh, economies of scale. There are um, international uh, economic forces. There are... People's expectations, you know, I mean, to some extent, people can be reconciled to, um, you know, um, slightly lower uh, access to consumer goods from abroad uh, and things like that. But I think that if you look at how different countries have uh, performed economically over the decades, that you you shouldn't overpromise in that direction. That's all I would say. We, We need to be careful.
0: yeah that's that's reasonable. Uh, so let's talk about his uh, positions on various social issues. I understand he's critical of feminism. He's uh, mourned the consequences of legalizing abortion and birth control and things like that, uh, which I think is music to the ears of Catholic conservatives. But is he uh, is he going to be pushing hard on? these social conservative issues, or is he going to be focusing mostly on just stopping the Great Replacement? I don't think he will focus much on these uh, social issues.
1: One reason is that these issues are not very salient for the French. So uh, there are Christian groups, there are conservative groups who are concerned about things like gay marriage, which actually was a, a very... Big organizing moment uh, a few years ago when, uh, about 10 years ago, when gay marriage was passed, and um, there were huge protests in Paris against it. There are people who are against uh, IVF. There are people who are against, um, I'm not even sure how you say it in English, uh, gestation pour autrui, uh, surrogacy, so surrogate pregnancy, and, and that sort of thing. Uh, and there are, are some good reasons for that. But I don't think they are winning uh, political electoral issues. Zemmour is critical of um, whenever these reforms are passed, he does criticize them. He does say how they fit into a worldview, especially a liberal. They call it a liberal libertarian worldview of everybody can just be what they want. There are no a priori identities. We're all just uh, interchangeable individual atoms. And he's critical of that, but he doesn't talk about um, rolling those back. Uh, it's also significant that uh, he there's no indication that he himself is, um, you know, a uh, moralistic uh, social conservative, and that he consider he considers it to be in the French tradition that, uh, for example, presidents have mistresses and have love childs and. He just says, look, this is <laughs> this is human nature. You know, Our he's going to deliver on this. that apparently. Yeah. And, and this is this is how you see he still has some uh, potency because uh, he has a 28 um, year old uh, political advisor um, who he has gotten pregnant. And uh, he says, look, I'm ne- I'm not going to talk about this. I'm never I don't show my fa- He's never shown his family. Uh, he's never been one of those politicians, you know, smiling with his family for the cameras, trying to capitalize on that. He says that's my private life. Uh, it doesn't interest the French, uh, but he hasn't denied it either. You know, so uh, that's fascinating. And uh, and the the girl is a is also a Sephardic Jew, who uh, is called Sarah Knafou, and she is a high French civil servant.
0: Interesting, uh, interesting coincidence there. Yes. Uh- uh, so how? How electable is he? Do you think that, um, first of all, are there people who are normal National Front supporters who are already endorsing Zemmour?
1: Oh, yes. I mean, you just need to see the evolution of the polls where support for Marine Le Pen went, fell very significantly and that support essentially went to Zemmour. So in terms of the base, he has plenty of support. And I would I would say that most... Patriotic voices, so you know people on uh, diff- various media and, and think tanks and things like that. Most are in the bag for Zimur. Uh There are some who are opposed, and this would be people like Alain Soral uh, and and people who are very anti-Zionist or anti-Jewish, uh, and they would argue or or pro-Muslim. I mean, this would be the other. You know, so th- so there there is that category of. French, uh, let's call them patriots, who are opposed to Zemmour, and they would say, "Look, he is a getting too easy a ride in the French media," and uh, I think that's true to some extent. He some media are pro more objectively, uh, and therefore the system is promoting him. And why is the system promoting him? Because they want to foster ethnic civil war in France, and they consider that his line on Islam is one that will lead to. Civil war, whether or not Zimor is conscious of it, and um,
0: this is wait—the system interested. wants civil war. That seems like a crack-brained uh, thesis to me. What, what mm-hmm. are they? What's the basis for that? That why would the system want civil war? Or yeah, what's the?
1: So this is a uh, Alan claim. He says the system wants civil war because this is how you completely paralyze and kind of break a nation and so he'll cite yugoslavia he'll cite uh, lebanon ethnic civil war you know doesn't always conclude with uh you know one side exterminating the other and or kicking out the other side it can also just paralyze the country uh in a deep way and so he thinks that's what the system is trying to do by promoting zimor
0: yeah that that's uh I find that kind of dubious. What are some of the other critics of Zemmour from the right? I, I can What's sort there? of imagine, I can sort of yeah. close my eyes, I can sort of write this stuff myself. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's controlled opposition. Uh, he was put in to take votes away from Marine Le Pen, and then he's just going to deliver uh, more, more of the same, uh, and, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, how do we know that? Because he's a Jew. I, I, that argument, I imagine, has been made with uh, much more, you know, Gallic <laughs> vehemence than I can muster. But it seems like the, the the sort of wignat position. I mean, he
1: has an extraordinarily uh, Jewish phenotype. You know, I mean, he, he looks
0: like the Happy Merchant. Uh, I, <laughs> he does. He does. I mean, there's, there's no question about it. This this is the uh, weird thing. We we are in such a weird place now that uh it's it's very amusing yeah critical of jews are now contemplating getting behind the happy merchant for president of france it's it's kind of extraordinary there's no question about it um
1: what can i say about the the criticism i mean one thing which is remarkable is his media presence to some extent so um i can't claim to have a perfect insight into the uh French media system, but it is clear that um, he is very close with uh, the Figaro newspaper, which is owned by uh, the Dassault family. So this is a basically a defense company of, uh, I'm not sure which branch, but they are Jew- Jewish origin. Um, more le- I, I don't know how intermarried they are, um, but they are Jewish origin. And he works with CNews which is owned by Vincent Bolloré, who, as far as I can tell, is a uh, French Gentile uh, billionaire. And Vincent Bolloré has really uh, promoted Zemmour with CNews. I mean, this is this is the case. And the other media, it's a mixed bag. As I say, the TF1 uh, interview was not, uh, over, not hostile, uh, but other media, certainly print media, uh, are very hostile indeed. And some of the TV shows, so, you know, we have our equivalent of the Daily Show called Le quotidien, which um, very, very anti-Zygmor, very unfair. Uh, so it's a mixed bag. My impression is that it's it's a Trump-like moment, and it's not something that people can control. Uh, I do hear the argument about uh, splitting the right-wing vote because there is a there is a risk that the right-wing vote is so divided that um, none of them make it to the second round. Right, uh, but it, it looks like that won't be the case. I mean. Um, if you see uh, just just today, the uh, Conservatives, so the mainstream Conservative Party, has elected their candidate in their primaries, and they chose the uh, soft core kind of Mitt Romney conservative liberal type, Valérie Pécresse, who is active in uh, Parisian politics. So of course, she's the liberal wing of the Conservative Party. And so that means there will only be two major uh, right-wing candidates. And anyway, and, and so Valérie Pécresse will be taking away votes from Macron and not from the other two. Uh, and the left so far has just been so weak and there's still some time to go. There's like four or five months, but there is no energy on the left. If, if you take all the left wing candidates put together, not counting Macron, I mean, it, it's not even 30%. I mean, it, it's very small. So, so for, it's looking pretty good. I mean, things can change in politics, but honestly things are looking good.
0: Th- that's fascinating. So he has more, of, uh, um, I should say, Zemmour has more appeal to centric type than uh, Le Pen. Uh, he's not going to be running on divisive social questions. He's not going to be running on, uh, you know, the French leaving the EU or leaving the, um, the Euro. Uh, although I do think he's right to say we should nullify these courts if they pr- try and prevent us from dealing with the immigration issue. Uh, so he's, he's willing to buck the EU on a piecemeal basis, but he's not going to launch a frontal assault against that. That, I think, is strategically very sound. Uh, so I do think he has the potential to get a lot more votes than Marine Le Pen uh, if, he, if he goes to the final round against uh, Macron. Uh, so the big question then becomes, do you think he can beat Macron? I think there's a
1: chance. I uh, think mm-hmm. there's a chance, Yeah, I uh, I don't have a crystal ball, but the way things are going, the, 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 level of unpopularity of Macron, I mean, this is something which I, I actually don't, um, empathize with on a huge level because he has been, you know, relatively, um, faithful to his program, which is, which was a, a globalist agenda. I mean, he was very clear about that. Um, but there were, you know, 50 percent of people that voted for him. Uh, well, more than that, actually, but of real supporters, like there were people that were like maybe half the is really supporting them. And then that collapsed back down to 25, 30 percent or so. So th- those 20 percent disappointed voters, you know, I think they need to be a bit more realistic because they should have known what Macron was about. Mm-hmm. But um, there were the there was the yellow vest protests. There was uh, higher taxes on basically poorer people and less taxes for the rich. There was the brutality, police brutality against the yellow vests, with many, many people being injured, often severely injured, with lost eyes, lost limbs, that sort of thing. There was, And then there's COVID. And COVID has kind of really just changed the political landscape, not in terms of the parties, but in terms of the engagement of people because COVID has affected everybody and has politicized a lot of elements of the population, which would have remained disorganized and aloof from politics Uh, and many, you know, small businesses wiped out and really very draconian measures. Uh, At one point in France, you weren't allowed to go more than 10 kilometers from your house and you weren't allowed to go hiking on your own.
0: You know, it was insane. So, yeah. so what are wh- yeah. what positions did Zamor take on the yellow vests, and what positions did he take on COVID? So, uh,
1: on COVID, he was like to uh, phase out the COVID pass. Uh, he has not made COVID like a central plank of his uh, of his politics, but uh, generally speaking, he would go for a less restrictive line. And then for the yellow vests a lot of it was simply pointing out what a white phenomenon this was and pointing out that this is really the, the France that has been left behind. You know, There's the upper echelons that have profited from globalization. There's the minorities that have come in that have benefited from being in a gentler, richer country than they can create. And then there's the people in the middle who are squeezed, the people of the periphery, the people of the rural areas. And they're the ones who stood up during the yellow vest protests and sort of said, look, we exist. You, you have been, the French media political system has been ignoring us, but we exist.
0: It was really glorious. I, I, I absolutely loved the yellow vest protests. Uh, has he, he's uh, name checked the great replacement, the Camus book. Has he spoken about uh, Renault Camus? Has Renault Camus endorsed him? Is there any connection between the two? I don't, uh, so, uh, Zimor is
1: pretty, pretty free of taboos and he is very happy to exchange with people and, and debate with them with just about anybody. So, uh, he was, um, exchanging many emails with Alain Sorrel, for example, and he wasn't like shocked by, by who he was and was just happy to have a a dialogue, uh, equally. Uh, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh. If he has exchanged with Camus, I've not heard of him doing so. Camus certainly supports him more. There, There's no problem. Uh, very strongly supports him. Good. And uh, he, he says things to the effect of, uh, you know, I back Eric Zemmour. I hope that doesn't hurt him, given how horribly toxic I am, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> how, much of a, how much of a monster I am, uh, mm-hmm. n- according to the the powers that be.
0: So one of the things that was most disappointing about the Marine Le uh, Pen-Macron match was their debate. Mm. Uh, She performed poorly. What kind of debater is Zemmour? And do you think he would out-debate Macron? I cannot predict this because
1: Zemmour is a professional talking head. And it is a red flag in terms of how he would govern, you know, just to go beyond the debate, you know, because he, he has no experience in government per se. Uh, so he might be a very disorganized person in private. He might uh, just not be able to handle people or, or tough decisions. Who can say? Um, but, and, you know, we saw with Trump that you could be a good person in the media and be completely uh, ineffectual as a political leader. Um, in Zemmour's case, I can say that he has spent the last you know, 20 years debating people on television and is uh, always very self-confident, very aggressive, uh, really imposes his viewpoint. And politicians were fe- really fearing him. It was kind of surprising to read in his book um, his admissions of... Uh, Sometimes feeling intimidated, or sometimes feeling he said the wrong thing, or sometimes uh, feeling, uh, yeah, that these politicians were were big people and he was just a, the little journalist. Because at least in in the in the he's he's a he's a beast on television, you know, and he he doesn't uh, show a lot of insecurity. So um, it's kind of interesting to me that that he would say that. Uh, he has debated uh, Jean Luc Mélenchon. Uh, on television. And, uh, I mean, you can see on the campaign that this is, this is new to him, you know, so, so not everything he does is, uh, you know, uh, completely artful and, uh, completely perfect, but, you know, this is a human thing. He, he'll get practice. Uh, he, he's certainly brighter than Le Pen and, uh, has more freedom. You know, Le, Le Pen is constrained by the kind of very narrow political position that she's taken, um, whereas in more you know he really has a personal position which is very well defined um but we'll have to see because the way he presents himself um say to get his campaign going won't be the same it'll probably as as how he presents himself at the political debate where he'll probably want to take a more centrist uh you know moderate kind of position but we'll have to see
0: One thing that I thought was most impressive about his announcement is how he brought it home to people, to their experience uh, of alienation in globalized multicultural France. I thought that was very powerful. In The Suicide of France, he uses lots of anecdotes very effectively to illustrate uh, just sort of shocking moments, you know, telling moments in France's decline. Uh, I, he's very, very powerful at making things concrete and, and sweeping people up uh, in, in, in these kinds of examples. So I think that he's a, a, a superb communicator. I think he's very, very effective. Uh, we have a question here, and I know we're about out of time, so I, I, I'll just be very quick. Uh, Horatio Nelson writes in with 25 U.S. dollars. Looking forward to the discussion with uh, about Eric Zemmour, I watched the YouTube video of Zemmour's speech and wondered why he was just sitting and reading pages of text. Apparently, it's reminiscent of photos of de Gaulle speaking to the French from exile in London. What are your thoughts on that? What, what was the purpose of that uh, particular style of speaking?
1: I think there was... Uh... In terms of presentation, there were two reasons. One was uh, indeed trying to evoke the de Gaulle's um, uh, speeches at the BBC radio during World War II. So this idea of rallying the nation at a moment of uh, life or death moment, really. And that is still quite strong in terms of French mythology. The Gaullist myth is still quite strong in France, at least among conservative people, right wing people. And then another part is simply the desk, the the the, the books in the background. It reminded me of um, President Francois Mitterrand's presidential photo, where he's in his pres- in his library, um, looking at the camera, and he is trying to look presidential. You know, everything that he's done is saying, "I'm already president." You know. <laughs> I've, I've, I've got the suit, I've got the flag, I've got the library, I've got the the speeches, I've got the team. All I, I need is I your am president. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I think it's brilliant. I, I thought it was a very effective speech, one of the best political speeches I've seen in a long time. So we need to wrap up. Uh, I really appreciate you giving us an hour of your time. You're a very busy man. Uh, are there a few last words you'd like to say about it?
1: Uh yeah, to continue on, Zimur on one point, I want to be more optimistic uh than than we might be after the, the Trump presidency. Because I think power in France works differently from power in the US. And I we can't I can't predict how effective he would be as a president or how compromised he would be. But My feeling is that he would have uh, certainly a huge chunk of the French system against him, but he would have more power than the American president does. The police, I think, would be more loyal. The military would be more loyal. And we saw in Italy that an interior minister, not even a prime minister, the interior minister, Matteo Salvini, was able to stop illegal immigration in its tracks and grow very popular by these measures. We also see every day in Hungary and Poland that patriotic governments can take strong measures and can be quite effective in governing. So I want us to, uh, to be hopeful. I think uh, there is a chance that Eryximor can win, and I think there is a chance that it would have a substantial positive effect.
0: Well, that is wonderful news. i am I'm excited about this. I want nationalism to triumph in France. I want the great replacement to be stopped. Uh, and it might just be that God has a very strange sense of humor, uh, and that uh, he's sending this uh, this uh, happy merchant, this uh, assimilated uh, <laughs> Sephardic Jew, uh, and he's actually uh, outplanking the National Front or the National Rally Marine Le Pen from the from the right which is kind of a remarkable thing so anyway I I hope our I hope cousin Pierre uh, France survives and so uh, I I I, this is going to be very very interesting Uh, great television uh, great white knuckle uh, you know political theater for the next few months so I hope we can get you to come back on as this game, as this uh, drama uh, unfolds. I'd love to. It'd be great. Well, thank you so much. And folks, uh, if you are out there and you have an interest in the ancient ethnostate, in Greek thought, uh, get Guillaume de Rocher's book, The Ancient Ethnostate. I've read most of this, uh, most of the book in its original form. It was, was published as various essays, I highly recommend his work. I published a lot of it myself, and I was always jealous when he would be taking things to other, other platforms. I want, I want it all. So anyway, that is a book that you should uh, definitely pick up, and we will be reviewing it at CounterCurrents, and uh, we will definitely have him back again soon uh, as this uh, Zamora story uh, progresses. So thanks a lot for coming on. Thank you, Greg. It's a huge pleasure to be here.